What's going on, everybody? Welcome to a brand new episode of the Full Court Press podcast presented by the Craft Factory. I'm your host, Pierre. Got my usual guys with us today, Matt and Riley. How you guys doing? Always good. Always good, my friend. And we have a special guest in the building. Go ahead and introduce yourself, sir. Yeah, hi. I'm Scott Agnes in Indianapolis. I cover the Pacers. Interesting. Welcome. Welcome, uh, welcome, Scott. Hey, off the bat, I figure we'll let you know, like, our team affiliations. Obviously, you've been a, a born and bred Pacers fan, from what I understand. I'm from the PNW area, so I am still a Seattle Sonics fan. That will not go <laughs> away. Uh Obviously, I have a nice Pacers ties, the Nate McMillan situation, Detlef Schrempf. I was just going to say, I've talked to him plenty about that and written about, you know, his experiences and how uh, even during the last dance documentary, he was watching and it still gave him, uh, he was still upset because he felt like if he played in the NBA finals when they met, it, he really liked their chances to win. So yeah. not to disappoint oh, you there. I'm so glad when that came out, when that thing came out, when Mike laughed at Gary Payton. Oh, man, you cannot, you can only imagine how upset I was. You can only imagine. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and obviously, so, uh, and then Pierre, you are a Rockets fan. Yes, I am. I'm a Houston Rockets fan, Scott. Not one of the new age ones. I've been a fan <laughs> through the Yao injuries and things like that. So, okay. You know, it goes. Well, my in, my interesting tie to them is I went to high school with Eric Gordon. So, oh, nice. His games oh, on no radio. Way. Nice. His time. Yeah, he's, he's, I mean, sat in the cafeteria with him and just little things like that, you know, way back in the day. And the fact that um, one of the cool things we had uh, one year because of him um, is one time Loyola Chicago came in, right? And that, of course, is the Jordan Sons. Yeah. And so, Michael Jordan. I was at the game courtside sitting in the corner to see EJ nearly score more than the entire Loyola team. I think that final was something like 81-57, and he had like 45 himself. And so that was an incredible one for me. Yeah, that was that was. I remember hearing about that game um, in reference to Eric Gordon, and understanding that was kind of the game where everyone looked at Eric Gordon like this guy's nice, (laughs) like like (laughs) one of those statement games of like you just like destroyed MJ's sons in front of his face. So that's, uh, you know, that's gotta be worth something, you know? Yeah. I can see that certainly nationally too. those outside Indiana, but, uh, cause for me, as someone that followed his career closely and was, um, and, and everything, I remember freshman year, how impressive he was. And he was probably the best high school player. I remember that early. Um, and one of the, probably the most talented overall, high school players that I personally saw. I think the most dominant was Greg Oden, but we had an incredible run right there, guys, where we had Greg Oden, Mike Conley, George Hill, um, EJ, Rodney Carney, um, uh, Robert Vaden. Um, there was so many great guys. Uh, Zach Randolph before that. Um, it goes on and on. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah, you guys, uh, Indiana's had a lot of really uh, – a lot of great talent come through. Gordon Hayward as well. That's one you always hear yeah, about. Yeah, forgot about him. Yeah. Man. And speaking of, yeah, I mean, that's a guy who I've heard might uh, – there's a lot of interest that he would potentially come back to Indiana uh, via trade of some type. I don't know if that would – I don't know. Like, what is your what is your thought on if, on if that would help or not? You know, like if that's good for the Pacers team at the moment uh, given what they're trying to build. Yeah, I think there's two things there. First of all, the is it a if if that's something the Pacers are interested in, and I think they mildly are. They considered it back in 2017. Paul George was it was going to be his 
um, what they thought is potentially is one of his later years under contract. And then he changed course and want to be traded. But um, that was something where Paul mentioned specifically, Hey, we want to bring Gore. I want to see if we can bring Gordon in. Um, there's the obvious ties to the city um, and everything. He grew up probably 25 minutes outside the city over in Brownsburg, but um, a, a trade would be possible this summer. Um, the trouble is making the contracts work and everything because he's making upwards of like 30 million and yeah. an obvious trade guy would be someone like a miles Turner, right? Because the Pacers have mm-hmm. two centers. You could get, you could move on from one of them and Sabonis is coming off an all-star year, but the mm-hmm. money for just that straight up doesn't necessarily work. The other thing to keep in mind too is Gordon has a player option at the end of this year. And I, I would say going into this year, I thought for sure he'd opt out just because you could go maximize your mo- your money and somebody be in a weak free agent class is going to pay you. But ultimately now, I, I think a guy like Damana Sabonis, who would, would have been a free agent if he didn't sign a rookie extension, I think he's probably better off already having his deal done. That's something I know if I'm a player right now, I would not want to have to be thinking also about my next contract and what that looks like going into even next year before we even go down to Disney. But um, to make a long, long story short in all this, I think I think you'd be more likely for the Pacers to potentially pursue him next summer when he's a free agent. Um, and when you have more clarity about Victor Oladipo and what he ultimately decides to do, because he'll be a free agent as well next next summer. Now, speaking of Oladipo, we saw reports of contracts being thrown to him that he rejected. Um, can you talk about that in any sorts? Yeah, I wrote about it a, a little bit in my previous job with The Athletic. Unfortunately, I was part of those layoffs, but I wrote a, a detailed story about Victor, what's next, what what you kind of need to look ahead to uh, with our front office insider, um, John Hollinger. But what, what it was described to me, guys, in the fall was, number one, you could have discussions on a contract extension, of course, starting at around that point in the fall. But for, for the player, for Victor, it really does not make mu- much sense because you can – get even more value this summer and he could get even more value next summer so if you're a player you're looking to maximize your value while understanding the risks you want to take your time and so as it was described to me is there were no formal offers it was more kind of a back and forth well technically this is what we can offer you now this upcoming summer they're limited in what they can offer you offer him going into next year at 25 million based on a 20% raise. So it's it's the Pacers, as, as we said, can throw their hands up and say, hey, look, we offered you all we can because currently that's all they would be available to until next summer when they could offer him a five-year ex, um, ex- contract extension when it comes down to it and another year and thus more money than any other team. Um, for, Vic- for Victor, you'd have to consider it because you're coming off a significant injury, one that we really haven't any, seen any players come back from previously, right? Charles yeah. Barkley um, retired. Tony Parker came back, was kind of a shell of himself, but he was 10 years older about. So you mm-hmm. also have to consider that. He was 36 to 37, I want to say. And he came back in about seven and a half months. Whereas we saw Victor come back and take his time. He personally owned this rehab, controlling everything, and came back and... Um, Basically, a year later, he missed exactly 82 games over the course of two seasons. But um, I think I think that's something you you discuss this summer. See if Victor would be willing to take that that extension for the max they're allowed to, because the Pacers would do that in a minute. Um, but depending on where Victor's heads at in terms of his health, and I think that's something he's he needs to consider more than more than previously because of a quad 
tendon rupture. Um, I, I think it's very possible, though, that he becomes a free agent next summer and can at least consider other options. Yeah, part, part of that, when I when I think about that, uh, especially in Oladipo's case, first of all, I'm really glad that he took the time with the rehab. Uh, we saw with the Kawhi situation that, you know, if – if somebody is not sure about their injury or they want to make sure they're okay, I mean, it's their, it's their career on the line, you know, and it's in the best interest of the team to let, to allow them to do that. Um, so I'm glad that he took the time and he really was uh, sure of himself before he came back. But also with the contract, I, part of me thinks that he would want to stay because of all the uh, trades he's been a part of and destinations he's been a part of and all that, uh, all the kind of, different destinations he's had to deal with so far in his career. I think he likes the idea that in Indiana, he is uh, the guy. I mean, obviously Sabonis is the all is an all-star, but I think when Oladipo is hundred percent healthy, he's obviously the number one guy. So I think that that would be uh, intriguing to him. And I'd love to see it for him. He seems like a great guy and he's got a great voice as well. Yeah, no, he absolutely does. That was a fun story also to write about him being the thingamajig. And those that follow us, follow him closely. You, we knew by his first minute into that show, it, it was clear as day, and I, I wasn't tipped off to it exactly. But I was like, oh, that's absolutely Vic. I know his voice. I've heard that too much. But um, it, just <laughs> in terms of Vic, it, it's fascinating to see what he's done. Uh, he chose to go down to the University of Miami. That's where he spends his offseason down in Miami uh, the last two summers. And that's where he had surgery. That's where he rehabbed for the majority of the time. He came back for one, I want to say, postseason game against the Celtics last year when his team was – was uh swept um and i i would have liked to see him there the entire series and and that would have been i, I think better off for the team than just showing up for game four um but nonetheless you're right he did own the rehab he hired his own physical therapist his physical therapist is with him in indianapolis when he is it was with him every single day probably the guy that sees him the most of anyone um at this point and so that kind of follows along the path of the all-stars the the Hall of Fame level type players like a LeBron who has his own trainer 24-7 and Kawhi has his own guy and you know all these different guys have their own tra trainers guys that believe in them and should be making the best decision for the individual and not necessarily the team and, and so I don't blame them there I if I was a player I would absolutely take it take ownership in my health um if there was anything beyond uh you know a knickknack or you know light sprain or light surgery I'm getting a second opinion with my own doctor just for the sake of it because you want while I would trust the team doctor I also want a second opinion that that is putting my interests first so I think that's something that's really evolved throughout the league over the last I don't know five years it seems like yeah yes Scott I got a question um I'm a Lakers fan everybody said that <laughs> they said so, um, I, I'm born and raised outside of LA so I'm not one of these these fans that just followed LeBron um, over there, but uh, what are, <laughs> what are your, your Pacers' uh, playoff expectations are this year? Yeah, so for one, um, I think it's obvious that once again they exceeded all expectations for this year. I mean, if we had a normal year, they were on pack on pace to win over fifty games, and and they had won forty eight in each of the last couple, um, far exceeding those expectations. So I would have so seen them winning fifty. Too. Yeah, and, and that's the number, excluding the two-way guys who also had their share of injuries. Through, what they play, 65 games, they had a, over 150 games lost due to injury. And now I think like 40-some of those were Victor, and that's it, his rehab. But, I mean, countless guys. Miles Turner, I want to say, missed 10 games. You had Brogdon. Malcolm Brogdon had missed something like 15, 16 games. And, in fact, so this... Yeah, Samson missed a dozen games or so. And this, to your question, Matt, um, the biggest thing... In all of this is the Pacers have their health now. 
Um, I think they would have gone to the playoffs, but who knows what they would have looked like. I even reported on the day the season um, kind of came to a screeching halt that they were in strong discussions to bring back Lance Stevenson because they just needed bodies. They just needed guys. And one, he's a guy they're familiar with. He's a playmaker. Um, and he was quite honestly just wanting to get back in the league, obviously. And in fact, Lance has been, he still owns his house here just on the north side of Indianapolis and has been working out every single day here in town, along with several mm. other Pacer players. And I think that's something that um, is notable for how much Indiana gets knocked for, you know, players not wanting to come here. You look around at some of the last, some previous players and several of them have houses here still live here and they're still in the league like glenn robinson the third who was with the warriors and now with the 76ers um I, like i mentioned with with uh lance um a former draft second round draft pick and shane winnington who is having a nice career overseas there's several of these guys that um are still here in indy but now if we look look ahead to the season for one it's obvious we don't know we don't have any expectations for what it could look like and how things are impacted they were a very good team at home so that's to their detriment um but even not nearly as much right of the 76ers but i think it's very possible for them to win their first round series and and make some noise in the second round uh as things are kind of currently constructed and right now they would face the miami heat i think it is in round one yeah, and Ooh, I, I think that health-wise, you talk about health too. I, I don't think there's a team that benefited more from this break, uh, leading into what is now going to be the playoffs and, and the end of the season than the Pacers. I mean, obviously, the idea of signing the only Lance, argument there yeah. would be teams in the contending category, right? Because if Giannis doesn't play, the Bucks are nothing, and oh, Giannis is sitting. True. And of course, LeBron and and Kawhi, the, those two guys, and LeBron wasn't injured, but him getting this break. I think yeah. it'll be fascinating to see what he looks like and what it could oh, do for him scary. because he's a guy I at least trust to come back and be in tip-top shape. Whereas I think a lot of guys, probably the majority of the league, is unsure, is uneasy about what they look like or feel or, you know, all of that. Well, Scott, as a Lakers fan, I really hope you're right. <laughs> <laughs> see, and, and I'm one that want to see the best play, so I never understood the the narrative, if you will, of I'm tired of the Warriors. I'm like, I'm not. I, I'll watch them every single game. That is just pure brilliant basketball while yes it is like an all-star roster i'm all for it and so um as much as i'd like the pacers to go far just because personal interest in terms of writing and people would love the coverage and that sort of thing um i'd really love to see personally what a lakers bucks finals would look like for sure and scott you could be a sonics fan if you wanted man that would definitely make it easier for you to appreciate uh forgo any bias you might have it's super easy as a sonics fan to forego that and enjoy the uh the basketball man we got to get it we have to get a team back in seattle it's that's coming, one of the man. better cities we get that nhl team we got them set up the moment that gets set up and if they finally decide to name that team and get it going we will okay. uh I, i'm thinking of a team within five years once that happens if we can show, show that the nhl is getting people in the so? seats i'm saying huh. five years and that's very optimistic and i've been optimistic since uh since 09 so we'll see how it goes well riley at least you got your gm already you just hired matt and, uh, you know, he'll get you going. <laughs> Definitely. Hey, uh, Scott, actually, I had a question for you. I read that you were a Pacers uh, locker room attendant. Yeah, for for almost 10 years. Yeah. Wow, what was that like? Yeah, what was that like? So, what's, uh, what, what's like a great, just, you know, do you have a story or two of just, uh, you know, some inside stuff of just being around the players like that? Yeah, so it's awesome. There's little things that, that are just a blast. Like, people always ask, you know, who's your favorite guy to deal with? And for me, the – 
easy response is Shaq because he just he is who he is and and doesn't stray from that. And so he's making fun of his teammate. He's making fun of me as the ball boy. He's making fun of himself. He's cracking jokes. He's dumping water on a teammate. Um, the things like that. So he's a hilarious dude. Um, Matt, I got a story for you that would interest you, even though it might sadden you a little bit. So there was a night. So there was a night, and Kobe could not find his diamond earring. And I'm not Ooh. even going to pretend to estimate the value. I mean, this oh, just might, I mean, to, or to know the value. My guess is it was pretty significant, right? He's not going to be wearing a $5,000 diamond earring. Not so cheap. let's say it's 50000 round numbers here, right? So he can't find it. It's post-game. He's the last one. He always hides out in the training room to an extent like we saw from Jordan. And so that was fun for me to see is the elements like that. And some of the star players do absolutely act like that hang out in the training room now they don't have their own room like we saw in the last dance at home games for for mj but anyway uh kobe who has the largest locker um within that room here at pacers uh was just upset frustrated can't find this diamond ring so me and the other ball boy working the locker room are looking all over for it looking in the trash looking on the floor maybe it fell down maybe it's underneath this seat anyways ultimately the the other ball boy uh is shaking around his jacket it turns out the diamond ring or earring he had put on the inside left pocket of his ear of his jacket and apparently he had a hole in that um that pocket and the joke of course is yeah it was so damn heavy that it fell down and ripped a hole because the diamond earring diamond earring was too sharp and too heavy nonetheless it fell down so it was at the bottom of the coat visualize that so kobe is thrilled rips open the jacket like it's a plastic package from Goodwill or something that's worthless. Knowing the jacket's clearly worth thousands of dollars. Leaves the jacket, grabs the earring, and doesn't tip us a dollar and walks out. So that's a fun story. (laughs) And yes, I still hold it against him. Being able to have an interaction with Kobe, though, that is something that's special. That really is. Yeah, and one of our other ball boys uh, took care of LeBron one time in the playoffs, did something for him, signed his shoes, and in, in true LeBron brilliant fashion, wanted a name so it wouldn't be like on eBay, right? So we want, hey, to Justin from LeBron, thanks for your help or something. So there's, there's that doesn't happen very often, I should note. But so much of that stuff happened and and, and was fun and and it's certainly some fun stories. And I'm I'm hoping here in the next uh, couple of weeks to bring a couple of my former ball boys together for kind of a ball boy roundtable. And more than anything probably selfishly for me just to document these stories because I'm forgetting more and more of them as time goes on. Well, that'd be great. And I know for sure people will be eager to hear that. Um, I mean, if you, have hey, to- I get, you want me to throw one more at you real fast? Oh, oh, yeah, sure. Go ahead. All right. Here's the reason I have no tolerance for Kevin Garnett. It, it didn't happen to me. But so when you're rebounding, you catch the ball. And if someone makes it, you send it right back to him. Anyways, um, this has been as told to me because I was working inside the locker room, so I didn't see it. But nonetheless, um, someone did not give KG his change. And you you better not do that. So anyways, um, KG, once he finally gets a second pass because the first one skipped him, right? He immediately throws it right back at the ball boy. And if you know anything about a good rebounder, you're never looking at the individuals. Your eye is on the rim and where you catch it. And then you use the peripheral of your eyes to survey the scene and see who needs it and who's in the way, right? So, And I've done that. I've passed thousands of balls, so I know exactly what this is. And so the kid, obviously, is looking up and passing somewhere else and such. And KG fired the ball right back at him, popped him in the chest, and he, like, hurled over almost. And then... 
uh, one of his previous trips back to the locker room, a totally different occasion. There's just time he was just salty, and that's uh, that's absolutely a pun intended here because he wanted some popcorn. So we went and got him his own popcorn because one of our other ball boys was sitting there and was munching on the popcorn, as we often do while waiting around for any requests. If we don't have anything to do, we're chilling there. So he said, stop munching on our popcorn. Go work and get me your own popcorn. Sure. Fair enough. So the ball boy goes, goes in, gets him another one, tastes it. Too salty. Go get me another one. So he does. Not salty enough. Go get me another one. Third time back, comes in, tries it, and is just disgusted, throws the pop entire bin. Like, this is like a, a large or the size of like a movie theater popcorn and just throws it on the ground. Ah, screw it. Whatever. It's like, come on, man. Like, we're, <laughs> like those are just two instances, but the disrespect, man, I don't, I don't feel that. But there's so many good stories, too, like I said, of, you know, Jameer Nelson tipping well and, and Shaq taking care of us and J.J. Reddick having great, thorough conversations with. Just things like that. It is. It's got to be. It's such a such a great insight to just because my one of my favorite things about basketball and sports in general is the uh, understanding the individual, you know, and understanding how people tick and you know if mm-hmm. how they play is who they are and all these different things. And so that's hearing those inside stories to me are probably my favorite thing about covering basketball in any sort of way is uh, is understanding that. So yeah, that's. Uh, I'm, I'm glad to hear. I, I'm, I assume that Jameer Nelson would have been a a very nice guy. So I'm glad to hear that. <laughs> yeah, Jameer's awesome. And those Orlando teams were a lot of fun. I got countless stories for them. But Jameer always took care of us. Um, I, I thought J.J. Redick, this was very early in his career. You know, we're talking two or three years in, I want to say. Um, and we all have that stigma, and he admits it. Like, we all hated J.J. Redick. He was the Duke guy, the annoying oh, yeah. guy. We hate him. We don't like what he represents. Well, then, I and obviously, it's a very minor level. But you, I got to know him for that game and that year and a couple seasons. And I saw that was not at all the truth. Plus, he had evolved from being the dick that he was at Duke um, and was just a nice guy that I would always look forward to coming. And so um, that that was one of the cool guys that come through. It was always hilarious to see um, kind of in a little brother playful manner, I thought, of how LeBron and the other Heat, Heat guys treated Mario Chalmers. And it was always Rio and Rio always paid for their meals. And oh, wow. it was kind of funny. <laughs> no, well, he got Rio. You got hey, some rings for it, so. <laughs> well, if you had to pick your favorite pacer of all time, yeah. who would it be? That's really hard to say. I'd say growing up it was Mark Jackson because I was always, a, and I still am, kind of that pass first, the let me help the other guy get going. Um, and he did it a little bit flashy with his Jackson jiggle, but not enough where I'm, like, pissed off and annoyed. <laughs> Like James Harden's like soup, like, no, no, all right, whatever. Um, so I would say growing up, it was Mark Jackson. And now now it's purely like on a human level. And I can't really pick a guy, but guys stand out just because of like the humans that they are. Um, CJ Miles, Jan Mahimi, George Hill, uh, David West, the late Rasul Butler. Um, that was tough. Orlando Johnson, right, if you know the if you know the name, a guy that played for the Pacers yeah. a couple years out from from California, Santa Barbara. Just guys like that. Those those are who who sticks with me. What sticks with me after all these years? Um, because of the interactions and what they care about and the things, the conversations that they much rather have. I I recently recorded a, an hour long podcast with CJ Miles, and mm. I mean he couldn't have been nicer. And he was one of the best guys that we dealt with in the locker room. He understand he understood our professional relationship. Look, like this is for the fans. It's not for me. I have to ask you these couple questions, but I also want to get to know you. So you know there'd be tough conversations. There'd be enjoyable ones, like how if you Google CJ Miles. 
do not let your kid do that because it's actually a porn star's name. And one time uh, he was having a, a basketball camp and on the flyer, they encouraged everyone to print off a picture of CJ and he'd sign it. Well, just imagine what the parents were feeling like when their little kid said, hey, I need to print off a picture of CJ Miles. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> that is hilarious. Hey, also, because you've seen so much, so much basketball in your time, I would want to know, uh, do you have a, a certain game that sticks out as like your most memorable game that you've seen live? Is there one, whether it's good or bad, is there just something you remember as a, maybe like an, a pretty historical moment? Man, yeah, and I wish I had a better memory like this. It feels like a guy like Bill Simmons can name like the year. Brian Windhorse, I feel like can name like the year in the game six of the two thousand X. You know, whatever. I don't have that as much. Yeah, hundred percent. And I have a great memory, but for some reason, it's it feels like games and like specific events are memorable, but like not the date or or those sorts of things. But I will say, um, certainly, I'll never forget August first, twenty fourteen, where Paul George went down. Um, with Team USA out in Las Vegas. I was actually visiting my sister in D.C., and I was up till like 3 a.m. working on that. Um, never never forget last January when Victor Oladipo went down with injury. Um, it's sad. I'm bringing up a lot of injury things. Um, the other big moment I remember was, I want to say, the 2013 Eastern Conference Finals. Back and forth with LeBron and Paul George, and there was kind of like, hey, man, you've arrived a moment where they they – had both had exchanged baskets back and forth for a couple minutes. Um, and then all of a sudden, as a timeout was called, and as they walked back, LeBron reached out his hand to slap his hands, basically, in my mind, saying, hey, hey, man, you're the shit. Like, keep doing your thing. You're impressive. I, I recognize you. Um, so that was notable um, to me. And then then it's just kind of the great games, right? The overtime games or the thrilling, the thrilling buzzer beater by Victor Oladipo to beat the Boston Celtics last year, those sorts of things. But I love think it's more the touchstone moments, the, the injuries. <laughs> yeah, I feel you, Riley. It's just those individual moments. And then I think the conversations that happen afterward um, that stand out because it, it's a human, human thing. That's why we get attached to these guys, especially in the NBA where they're not wearing masks. They're not wearing helmets. Um, you know what their styles like that sort of thing. And, I don't know about you guys. That's one of the big reasons I, I, I love the NBA and the personalization of that. Although I wish we did have more loyalties to teams like Ooh, yes. it was when I grew up. But with that said, I think you can also appreciate a player. Like you could be a Pacers fan, but be a Steph Curry fan in my mind or like LeBron. But when you square off, you got to cheer for whichever team is your team. What I don't like is uh, the guy, the guys that just follow um, change their team loyalties. That doesn't make sense to me. But I totally understand And right now in our brand, where everybody's a brand, that you follow along with an individual. Because it'd be just like following, you know, say, you know, bad example, but like a Steve Jobs, if he moved on from Apple to Google, you'd still probably still be a Steve Jobs fan just because of the brilliant minds. Yes, yeah, certainly. Now, one more thing before we, you know, let you get out of here. We've... Um, Come across one of your articles. It was the What If Kawhi article. And I must say it was phenomenal. And after reading that article, I just couldn't help but think, what if Kawhi never was moved to the Spurs? Yeah. Yeah, you. Uh, yeah, that article was great. Um, because that's something we've talked about a lot on other episodes for us is just the what ifs of things. And that was a, a beautifully written article. Um, it really was. Yeah, I mean, it's and it's crazy too because of uh, what George Hill ended up meaning. 
uh, to Paul George and whatnot. I mean, for, especially for yeah. somebody like Paul George, like what an odd thing now um, to understand that you, you know, my, no matter what happened and how close you came to playing with that guy, you now made it work in LA. I mean, what, uh, I mean, honestly for you, what would it have been like to have watched um, a Kawhi, Danny Granger when he was healthy, Paul George, plus like, uh, you know, David West, Roy Hibbert front court. You, I mean, what, what a deadly ahead of the times lineup that would have been. You throw Lance in there, like, wow. <laughs> like, what an amazing one through five that would have been. Wasn't Collison there, too? Collison, and, uh, no, he, uh, yes, yeah, he was. And then they wanted, they wanted George Hill in there um to kind of take over those responsibilities which he did after a year and a half but the first thing i preface with this conversation is nobody within the pacers will admit what they would have who they would have drafted what they would have done so we don't know for sure how they would have used that pick um and and the the thing i wish i would have made clear also in that article is look that was i think pick 15 if i remember correctly yeah, 14 other teams have passed over him. So let's not pretend like this was an obvious choice. Like he was way up on everybody's draft boards that we, you got to have that understanding is from about this kid from uh, San Diego state. Right. But it certainly would have been in contention because he would have went around that spot. But yeah, I thought it was, it was a f- fascinating exercise, excuse me, to go back and consider what that might look like and, and what it would have done to both of their um, player developments. Because I think it's fair to assume probably Paul comes along a little slower. Um, Same probably with Kawhi, although he was surrounded by three Hall of Famers. So actually there was less pressure on him immediately, and he was able to play off the bench initially. And then I found it also interesting that um, one of the big things that once he was in San Antonio was when Popovich was fed up a little bit with Steven Jackson and just waved him late in the year. And that really opened the door for even a greater role for Kawhi. And Steven Jackson, of course, was a f- former Pacer, you know, 10 years prior um, from what it was. But, yeah, thinking back to what it would have been with, like with the Pacers, they would have had to figure out the point guard spot um, because the reason they were after that was they did not have a great point guard for, like, the last 10 years. It had been since Jamal Tensley where they had a great guy just running the ship, navigating it. And I think George Hill is one of the more underrated point guards, not, never been an all-star, never gotten the accolades, but his length, um, his willingness to do whatever a team wants and his, his knockdown three point shooting ability. I mean, that's now everybody has, has been able to see that this year in particular, not only because they're paying attention, but because his numbers are off the charts for what he's doing with the bucks. But yeah. that would have been fascinating to see, um, especially the defensive mind, because that was when Roy Hibbert was in his, defensive player of the year conversations because um, he was kind of him and Frank Vogel had really maximized um, the law of verticality and used that to their advantage. West was just solid inside um, yeah. kind of the, the, the enforcer. We called him the backbone of the team at the time. PG never was a defender, was a terrible defender admittedly till he got to the Pacers and his rookie year. He played with Jim O'Brien hated it. Um, hated Jim O'Brien. He actually once called that the highlight of his rookie years when Jim O'Brien got fired midseason, which is kind of laughable, but tells you how he felt. Um, But anyway, the the thing that Paul felt was to get on this floor, I got to learn to play defense. And so that's why Paul is such a great two-way player that he is today is because that's where he made his mark first in the league as being a two-way guy. That is huge. My yeah, Scott. My connection with Kawhi is I'm from Riverside, where Kawhi went to high school. Okay. So I mean, I went to all of their games. It was him and Tony Snail on that uh, Martin Luther King team. 
uh in yeah so watched all his games in high school and okay. yeah that's my it's funny how much i've learned about palmdale um since paul was with the pacers because early on you know on just yeah. outside just outside la well for one that's an exaggeration because just outside indianapolis might be outside but for la that's you know an hour plus drive so yep. that's not exactly a suburb or anything which was my which is what my understanding was when the pacers drafted him it was a small suburb just outside of la which isn't yeah. true yeah one of my best friends actually is from palmdale and i heard of paul george I, he came onto my radar way before he was really in the NBA because of this guy. He was like, oh, this guy, trust me, he's that dude. But you hear a lot of people say things like that, you know, like okay. this guy's so good. And then you realize that, uh, you know, he actually turned out to be quite a player. So my, my, my guy still gives me crap about that, gives me shit about that. Because uh, I, I kind of waved him off at the time. Like, yeah, we'll see, you know. <laughs> no, that's fascinating. See, I, I did not know a ton about Paul. Uh, I think we basically started – I started covering – the league kind of his uh and i guess it would have been his third year um in the league so i don't remember those exact conversations right when they were drafting him um without just looking looking back um because i wasn't reporting on you know them finding him and then it turned out they went to practice and that's where he really starred because he wasn't necessarily a great college player he was good but they really fell in love with him much like miles turner in practice where they could see the scope of his game, where they could see his raw skills and what they would hope to tap into. Definitely. Well, yes. hey, well, hey, Scott, man, we really appreciate you coming on, my man. Um, we really do. Seriously, you are, I will admit you are our first, our first guest uh, with any, uh, you know, uh, credibility. <laughs> and so <laughs> it is, we are really honored to have you on here and uh, to share your stories with us and, uh, and uh, have a nice conversation with us. You're a great guy. Really I appreciate really that. Really Thanks for having me on. Hey, we used to enjoy your afternoon, all right? Cool. We'll, t we'll do, you guys as well. Wow. What, a, what an amazing interview, guys. Yeah, that was, a, that was amazing. Shout out to Scott Agnes for, uh, for coming on and talking to us. That was great. It was great to have our first, uh, our first guest. Um, that uh you know has some credibility in the writing world that was a very very awesome thing he told some great stories it really did yeah, and his, i know his, his insights man his insights were just so good and telling us i love the stories right you you see a lot of these nba players just who they are on tv but he actually gets to talk about their personalities and his interactions um you just don't get to hear about that stuff anywhere no for sure and also shout out brian Luis for uh for yeah. setting that up uh Great call on his end. Uh, Stand-up really guy. Call. Stand up guy. Check out his podcast, The Spin Zone. Uh, yes. Great stuff there. Um, so, gentlemen, uh, obviously this has been going on with the Kyrie uh, situation. And it sounds weird to call it the Kyrie situation because he's only representing a bunch of players. He's kind of the face of that side of the aisle, I suppose. Um, but, yeah, what are your guys' thoughts on uh, on this? I mean, it's, it's really become the – Kyrie's side of the camp versus the Kendrick side, which is, you know, and that's like a third side, obviously. It's like, like it's like the guys who want to play like on like the LeBron side, if you will. Kyrie, the guys on that side who don't really want to play. And then you got Kendrick Perkins, who is has no affiliation. He's not a player anymore, has no affiliation. And he is now trying to uh I don't know. I don't know what he's, he's trying to do. Kyrie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I mean, you guys know I've said it before, I'm not a big Kendrick guy. And uh 
man, the last couple of days, it has just been like, I just want to gag when I see him tweet something. <laughs> it's like, it's just really crazy because I mean, I understand what Kyrie's, you know, saying like the overall mess, the message of it, but it's just, it's crazy, you know, and then you throw in Kendrick Perkins' two cents and it's just like, uh, we know you're a former player, but what gives you the right to speak on this when, like, you have, you you know you've never done much, you know you you have that Kobe story we know, we understand that, but it's really bad when you look at it because it's like they're trying to pit it, and it's really the media doing it. Listen, you know, they're trying to pit LeBron and Kyrie against each other, basically saying, oh, it's either LeBron's way or Kyrie's way, and I think it's deeper than that. I personally feel like basketball can be played and change still can happen. So, you know, maybe Kyrie have a change of heart later on down the line. And then I seen Matt um, where he said he proposed starting their own league and it just was like, come on, no, man. And no, there's talk of that, though. Like there's there's been people saying that that actually was not true. That was just okay, like good. kind of a false thing that somebody made up. I mean, yeah, that's. Yeah, as far as that goes, I mean, as a, and I have to think about it through the lens of, of being a white guy, right, mm-hmm. um, in these times, is that, of course, do I want to see basketball played? Of course. But am I going to go against guys that don't want to play, the players who don't want to play, who would, you know, who could potentially make it so that it doesn't happen? Um, and the league, you know, if the league does not play, then, yeah, I have no place to do that. You know, that, that would be privileged of me to put basketball before what these black men think is best for the movement that is currently mm-hmm. happening i i can't i'd be i'd be really selfish on on my end to want in another direction than what they want um of course i want to see basketball played i love basketball we all do but i mean yeah that's that's a tough thing like you said i really don't like that the narrative of Kyrie versus lebron uh these are two guys who in their own ways are very much have been a part of this movement and, uh, and have been for a long time behind the scenes they they've both um, Kyrie's always spoken up about you know the, the morality of the right and the wrong of something beyond basketball, and LeBron has always been very clear about helping those around him and helping those who uh, are less fortunate or disenfranchised uh, in his community and around the world. So I think that the fact the media would pit them against each other and Perkins would, uh, for the ESPN money, would do the same thing. I think that's. <laughs> I honestly think it, it's it's really sad to see. It's it's sad to see the media and a black man try to pit two other black men that they know are doing the right things in their own way, um, put it, pitting them against each other. I just don't see the positives in that. Matt? Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And the hard thing is, right, everybody has their viewpoint um, in, in the, as the players. Everybody has their viewpoint as fans. And we just live in a crazy time where uh, people get upset if people have different views than each other. And we got to respect their views. I can't imagine being in the in, in an NBA player's shoes in this moment. Um, so I don't even know what I would do. There, there's also what I've read the Jason Tatum side, um, where he doesn't want to go back because he doesn't want to get injured uh, for no. this long, long period of time of not playing, and then you have a short training cap camp and just get back into a hundred percent. Um, so I'm hearing some players are on kind of that side of it's not really coronavirus necessary or or um, marching and, and kind of protesting, but they don't want to get injured going back into this 100 percent. 
Yeah, and then you look at the players like Ed Davis. I think he spoke out about what Kyrie said. Basically, because Kyrie was basically saying, I'm ready to give up everything, and I'll give up whatever. Ed Davis spoke out and said, well, Kyrie can say that because of the money he has. He was saying guys like him can't afford to not play. And that goes back to what Austin Rivers was kind of saying. Like, yeah, I understand the movement, but I can think of guys who want to play because of the money. And that's, that's what we really have to understand. Like, even me as a black man, you know, it, basketball can be used as a distraction. And like I, like you said, Riley, I would love to be able to watch basketball. But this is bigger than basketball. And I can't be selfish and be like, oh, they're millionaires. They could just play. No, it's, it's deeper than that. You know, so when you look at the Austin Rivers, the Ed Davises, even the Dwight Howards that, you know, some of them don't want to play. You know, you really have to understand, and we really can't be like, "Oh, you ain't gonna do nothing when when it, when it come back anyway." Like it's not even about that. And like Matt was saying, we we're not in their shoes, you know, so we can't really know what they're thinking. Even Jason Tatum not wanting to get hurt, that's huge. You know, you look at a guy, even LeBron, AD, anybody, come out playing. You have an injury and risk, you know, your career even further. So it, it it's definitely a lot to think about at this point. Yeah, the, the, yeah. You, and- you mentioned you, you mentioned the money, and that that is something that to the to the players that are trying to get by or you know have expenses, and they aren't making that kind of money. They aren't making mm-hmm. the tens of millions. And I mean, yeah, that that has to be you know because there's one thing you have to be you have to be able to bring something home for your family, you know. And if you can't make money and uh, and it affects your contracts down the line, perhaps that could affect people, you know, you have to take care of yours first. And that's, that's a tough, very tough situation to be in. Um, like I said, it, it sucks because everyone's, everyone wants the same thing. I don't think there's anybody uh, in the NBA um, who doesn't want there to be, I'm, I'm speaking about the black players in the NBA. I don't think anybody, you know, wants uh, this movement to slow down or wants it to, or doesn't want it to continue to blossom as it has. And there are, you know, changes being made that need to be made, but it is a, uh, it, it's tough. It's tough that there seems to be so much division amongst that and how to do it, because I mean, a lot of the, everyone that we've talked about, every player we've mentioned are good players with good heads on their shoulders who are who are all part of that fraternity or all part of that NBA fraternity. And it, it does suck as a lot of it, COVID. It just sucks. COVID happened um, and, and did all this because right now we wouldn't even be talking about it. We'd be talking about who just won the title, talking about the offseason and, and there would be no issues. Yeah, the draft, free agency, all that. Yep, for yeah, sure. It, going off of what Ed Davis said, I, w- I was listening to a couple more interviews on some podcasts, and um, most people don't realize that, right? They think all NBA players are rich, and they just leave it at that. Some of these NBA players are making minimum contracts, which are still a good amount of money, but they're also taking care of a lot of people. Um, they're taking care of kids. They're taking care of parents. They're taking care of um, some of these NBA players are actually taking care of about 20 different family members off of what they make. And so that's why guys like Ed Davis and Garrett Temple and some of those players are like, no, it is a money thing because the amount of people we have to take care of. Yeah, I mean, yeah, that is that is for some players. That's very true. I mean, and, and money management is always an issue in professional sports. But at the same time, I say, you know, with all these precautions behind it, I, I do say that if if the NBA were to change course tomorrow and say, you know, or we did lose a big chunk of the players that we would be used to seeing, 
um, for this. I would have no ill will towards any of those players that are in their decision to do that. Um, if they think it's uh, going to better help them um, with the movement, I have no issue with that at all. Um, but of course, you know, of course I would like to see them play. But like I said, I, I have no, I have no space to put that opinion forward as a judgment, you know? Um, Absolutely. Yeah. Just wild times, man. It's really wild times. Like I said, the, and like I said, this is, you know, we're a podcast that covers the NBA. I'm, I will never, you know, I don't think any of us want ever want this to be a thing where we are, I don't know, using it for, you know, some sort of gain, you know what I mean? Like a Kendrick Perkins is doing, and you see some of these guys doing it at ESPN and other, other places where they're pitting that they're using it for clicks. I, I think that you can have, <laughs> you don't need to do that. Uh, you can have a personality and make money as a personality doing what those guys do and not do it uh, with the intent of dragging other people down, especially, especially as a black man, like, Ken, like Kendrick Perkins to be tearing down other, other black men, strong black men that are, doing good things and are, and are trying to do the right thing i think it's crazy i mean if, if, if kd is commenting on your stuff calling you a sellout man right you know that's <laughs> think of, and, and from his account no burner he did it from his account exactly sniper <laughs> called you a sellout man that's that should tell you something you know and it's uh Definitely. It's bad stuff man so at this point i gotta ask you guys do you guys think it's coming back or what like what yes yeah i, I, I think it's, yeah i think i think it is some some way or another i think um we will get through this players will get through this i think um it will come back we'll see i don't know how many players will choose to play but yeah i think it will come back i mean honestly pat bev he, he had a quote about it and it was a and it was a dig of course is dig at lebron to dig it whatever but he was right to an extent that if lebron plays they're playing you know, it's yeah. I, I, even though we know that he was taking a shot at LeBron, but oh, for know. sure, for sure. But Pat Bev's going to do that. But he's but he wasn't wrong. He took the shot, but he wasn't wrong. And and I, I equate that to remember uh, recently when uh, Patrick Mahomes, the NFL, when he became a part of that video that the NFL players did about um, uh, protesting and whatnot. And uh, apparently the the NFL, who had obviously been staunchly against any sort of protesting and whatnot, when they came out and apologized about their stance on that, uh, reports came out that it was a huge like reason to do that was because Patrick Mahomes, the face of the NFL, was a part of it. And so they didn't want to go against the face of the, of the NFL. And in this case, we have LeBron, who is the face of the NBA. And so if he's going to play, they're going to play. I think I think that the star power matters, and I think if they're going to play, oh, um, as far as some players not playing, I I think that is an inevitability as well. I do think we're going to see players that we would want to see playing in big time, um, in these big time playoff type games. But they're not going to play, um, and and that sucks. But I and I do think that is I do think that's going to happen. I don't think it's going to be a thing where they're going to come together and understand that. Um, everyone's going to play. I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think, I don't think the NBA is going to punish these players for that. I think that's just well, how it's going to be. But, uh, I definitely, yeah, I do think that that is, that, that is inevitable. Well, I know one player that may not play, uh, Damari Carroll from our Houston Rockets. Mm-hmm. He has an underlying uh, health issue. He's, uh, uh, with his kidney. Mm-hmm. So he may sit out, um, from what I was gathering earlier, He's uh he's on the list to get a transplant once he's retired, so that one player that may sit out. I mean, we may see a lot of really? players I like that. I did not know that about him. That's crazy. Yeah, I didn't know neither until I read it. I was like, oh wow. So, well, you know, what I, I was what I was even hearing Pierre um, was James Harden um, 
They're saying players who have a health issue, health issues, cannot play. And one of them that they mentioned was asthma. Um, yeah, James Harden has asthma. James Harden has asthma, so they were trying to figure out if he can play because of the cause that might have with COVID. Yeah, um, if if it was left up to me. If you were would, the GM, you'd make him play. I'm just kidding. No, I wouldn't make him play, <laughs> but I know I know he would play. I, w- I don't want to take your GM job, Matt. Don't worry. <laughs> well, Leave that to I, you. I do think that they all. I think that a lot of the guys want to play. I think like some of the yeah. Harden, I think he'd want to play. Yeah, uh, I think Harden. Yeah, uh, I can't yeah. see a scenario where he doesn't play. Yeah, like, unless he's injured. No, for sure. Yeah. I, I just think like it's like we've been saying to kind of wrap up this subject. I guess is it. It's there's so much up in the air considering the fact that July 31st, they're going to be back to it. I think that that's, I think it's wild that there's so much up in the air with this, that there we're still not sure who's going to play. We're not sure who's going to be allowed to play. I mean, those COVID cases are going up in Florida uh, just until recently. Yes. They were going to, they were going to allow the people that are working in Orlando in the bubble. We're going to leave be able to come back. I mean, the idea of a bubble is very, is a huge part of the issue, but also it's as far as that working, I mean, that's such a risk. It's the NBA really pushing all in on uh, them playing. And, yeah, we'll see how it plays out. But it's it's this is definitely a week-by-week week thing here. I mean, by next episode, I'm sure we'll have some uh, more definitive. Yeah. And, it's, and as we creep towards that July 31st situation, I think that it, we're going to learn a lot more about uh, who's going to be there. Yeah, here's some of the guidelines that was issued. In the they call it in the Orlando campus, so I guess they're doing like a school style type thing, I guess. But the hotel amenities are players only lounge, which will consist of NBA 2K, TVs, gaming. You have pool trails, barbers, manicurists, pedicurists. Nice. You have a 24 hour VIP concierge. You have daily entertainment such as movie screenings, DJ sets, other video games, ping pong, pool, lawn games. And then the best part, players can attend other games. That's big. I think that's big if they can go do that. Because if they couldn't, I think that would be weird for them. Um, it would be great. To me, it would be great. Yeah, yeah it's going to be – what's interesting, too, is I heard the MLS is also going to be at Disney World, maybe on another part or something, but they will essentially be doing a similar thing. So yeah. is everything in Florida? Because I know the WNBA is coming back, and they're in Florida as well. Yeah, I think and, everyone, and coronavirus has rise up in Florida, so everyone's in Corona. They <laughs> open their beaches up and everything, but yeah, no, I think I think this is the, uh, and the MLS they're doing a thing where it's like a round robin tournament. I mean, they're not even like wasting the time with the eight games. Basically, like they're basically just making it like a you know World Cup type thing where there's a few different yeah. groups, uh, and then they're gonna round robin it, and they're just gonna see who comes out on top with the cup. Which I'm cool with, man. My Seattle Sounders, baby, we're coming back to back. Uh, we we but, might be talking. But it will be interesting that. having multiple leagues at Disney World. But yeah, I, th- I think it's gonna be it's gonna come back, and um, yeah, I'm I'm very interested in to see what happens from now until July 31st because we're gonna we're gonna get a lot more about it. We definitely will get a lot about it, and I just can't wait. You know, I'm I'm on the edge of my seat because it's like every day I see Twitter or ESPN. I'm like, oh, what is it? What is it? So, well, actually, hey, really, really quick before we move on, actually, there's one last thing I just saw. Uh, I just read about uh, it was Bam out of bio. 
he because we're talking about the money of it he donovan mitchell jason tatum darren fox and kuzma all met with the union last week with hopes the league will uh the league will pick up at least the majority of the tab for what would be a very costly policy about their future earnings so like the they want like an insurance policy because all those guys are due for you know 100 million dollar extensions coming up and so it's basically like if you know if they do come in like you said jason tatum's one of those guys we talked about it if they get hurt what happens to those guys so that's i mean that's a group of guys that are all on that are all going to be playing in this tournament you know and some of them someone like boston and miami um and the lakers i mean those are those are some cha- you know potential championship teams so that's uh man yeah there's so many variables i think that's what's crazy about this there's just so many variables and so many different individual situations that are going to go into this it's uh man we wanted basketball back, guys. This is what it's taken. I know, right? <laughs> it's a lot of, a lot of yeah. craziness, dude. Yes. Yeah, this is going down for sure in the history books. Um, yeah, dude. What a, what a weird year, dude. Did you guys hear Mark Cuban said he was going to kneel with his players? Yeah, oh, wow. Right. Yeah, man. Got that a becomes Mark an Cuban, man. Person. Yeah, you do. Yeah, he doesn't yeah, mess around. I was listening to this uh, podcast I listen to weekly, and um, they even said, are players even going to get the chance to kneel? Because uh, a lot of them do want to do that, but no fans are going to be there. Are they still going to do like the national anthem with no fans right. even in attendance? So uh, will you know, will players in, in Mark Cuban even get a chance to kneel? Or are they just going to skip doing like the national anthem? You know, that's a that's a really that's a really interesting question. I. I think part of it because of the tradition of it, they would, but I think it'd be an even bigger statement if they just didn't at all, or if they played something else, you know, <laughs> like, like so, so, nothing disrespectful, but if they played something that was, I don't know, representative of, of more of themselves. As opposed to this. Yeah. I, I can't see them. I mean, maybe they'll play the national anthem as far as, I mean, <laughs> you know, it's just, it's just going to be a different feel. You know, like we said, you know, guys on the fast break trying to, you know, you you make a spectacular play, and you can't, you know, you look around, you you look for the crowd, or you get an and one, you know, you feed off that intensity of the crowd, and it's not there, so it's gonna be tough. That yeah, I awesome. just really hope it's, I just hope it's better done than the WWE. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's gonna bring out the dog in some guys though, because there's no one to impress. You're doing it for the True. people that are there. I mean, and also, if you want to get hyped, you know millions of people are watching. Probably more people than usual are watching your games uh, because of, uh, you know, everyone wants basketball to back and everything. But, yeah, you're, I mean, at this point, it's like an open gym almost, you know. And so I would love to see the dogs come out of guys because, you know, it's like, hey, this is, you know, like, for, you know, forget all the fans, forget all the outside distractions. Like I'm here to win a ring right now. Like think about how weird it's, it's, it's unprecedented. Like when has anybody played games in front of, you know, in small gyms, you know, in front of no fans and you're playing for an actual ring. Like that will be, I think that will bring out some serious dog in some of these cats and it will be serious dog in some of these cats. That just makes no sense. Yeah. But, I laughed at that. <laughs> yeah. But no, that's, I, I'm super excited for that. And that's, that's what I'm most excited for. I think is the, especially the audio of it and being able to hear guys, uh, talking to each other, you know. I hope they don't pump over crowd noise, or they try to, you know. Uh, there was talk of doing the two K crowd noise. I hope they don't do that. I want it silent. I want to be able to hear those guys talking and barking at each other. I want that. Yeah, that would be really interesting. I really hope they don't bleep things out. I know they're going to probably have to, 
Um, but I would just love that raw, like trash talking, um, especially if you get like a Lakers Clippers matchup in the Western Conference Finals and you no. got Pat Bev guarding LeBron and you just get the trash talk and everyone can hear it. Uh, that would just be incredible. You mean Rockets Clippers, Matt? Come on, stop. Acting. No, I spoke correctly. <laughs> <laughs> well, also, too, yeah, it's the, the idea of having, um, uh, yeah, just being able to hear everything to me is just such a, yeah, such an amazing thing. I would be so, I'm going to be so psyched to see that. Um, and yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just excited for the basketball to be back. I know there's a lot of variables to get to, to get there, but uh, if basketball returns, that is just going to be great for everybody to an extent. I am, uh, yeah, I, I would just, I want to, I want to see how it plays out. You know, like I said, because it's such a unique situation, I want to see how players respond and how teams respond. And I think that we're going to get a crash course and, you know, who some of these guys are, you know, when, when things aren't comfortable. Because they're not going to be able to go home. You know what I mean? They're not going to go home to their families. A lot of it. A lot of it. They're not going to be able to go back to their houses. It's like a. That's I think what fans need to understand, though. Too, this is a sacrifice for these players. They're um, leaving their families. They're leaving their homes. They're going to be in this bubble for three months. They're uh, or, or two, two or three months. They're just going to be away from everybody, everything. Um, so it's hard. So many people just want the NBA back, but you got to understand the sacrifice uh, these players are making um, for that. Yeah, man. I, I, as a fan, I'm appreciative, but I also understand that this isn't easy. So I'm not going in and expecting anything. You know, I'm just going to watch it with open intentions. And it's a lot of teams that, like we've already covered, several weeks ago and it's a lot of teams that to look forward to it's a lot of teams that are going to look different due to players wanting to sit out so all we can do is sit back and wait as we get closer because it's only june 16th 18th excuse me it's only june 18th we still a little over a month away from everything so God, we're so close dude i know oh so, we've waited so long <laughs> now in closing Matt last time we talked you were the GM for the Lakers yeah what has happened since then yeah so since then um I found out a friend of ours was coming on to the podcast and he was a writer for the Pacers so I said okay let me just demolish this Pacers team um oh. and and uh just make some trades because that's what I like to do on NBA 2k is I like to see how I can just fix a team so I just got rid of a lot of uh, twenty million dollar plus contracts. So okay. I traded away Oladipo, traded away Brogdon, traded away Turner. Um, pretty much the only Pacer I kept was Sabonis, and that's because I had like five years worth of him. Um, and the first year was three million, and then he would get paid seventeen million. So I was like, oh, okay, we can make that work. But what yeah, did you trade away? I, I think I packaged Oladipo and Brogdon together. Um, which got me, what did it get me? It, I, I got a pretty good squad. Um, I think it got me the number two draft pick, which I drafted LaMelo. Here we it go, Riley. Me, it, it got me the number nine draft pick, um, in which I ended up trading away. But essentially my team, I got Colin Sexton. I got LaMelo Ball. 
I ended up getting De'Aaron Fox somehow. Wow. Um, in to pair with uh Sabonis down low. I made a trade um to get Rudy Gobert. Hmm. And and so I had a solid team with I really liked having Fox go bear. I had Weissman coming off the bench. Um, it's a bonus. Um, yeah, so I'm I, I just having fun trying to make these things work. And you're about to get calls from real GMs being like, hey, you man. Really are. I really hope it? I can be yeah. a consultant for them and yeah. just take my 2K trade knowledge, usually the trade finder, um, and and see if that can be implemented into the league. I'll start calling you Matthew Palinka. <laughs> You know, I just really want to help teams that are struggling in the salary cap. Like a shout out to Felipe, his ex, the Sacramento Kings. That's just take they take on a lot of bad money. Um, the New York Knicks are historically <laughs> known about for that. Yeah, that's your next project, the Knicks. I, I, I'm just glad that you. I'm just glad you said that because like if Felipe is listening, that's news to him. There's no way he would have known that. <laughs> so so i think for next week's episode i'm gonna document every trade i do for the new york knicks and yes. show how next year they can be a playoff team and, oh, then, uh, and then i will then i will judge your moves as if i were um uh any of these espn analysts and i will uh yeah know, i'll be i'll be Kendrick yeah we'll yeah, we'll see <laughs> yeah. how it goes and uh we'll put you through the grinder put you through the grinder here that's uh what this that's what this segment of the show is called the grinder Yep. Yeah. Because I got the conversations before before yeah. the group chat. Don't. <laughs> yeah, because with the New York Knicks, there's just no reason you need to sign four power forwards in an off season. No, oh, and, that's, and that's easy stuff. Like that's easy stuff. You know, that's a. Yeah. If you don't do that, man, your team's gonna be better. You know. Yeah. yeah. And, and you got to trade. This is what what most people miss out on. You got to trade people who are going to just leave your team. So I'm like, uh, Oladipo's only got one year left. Let me just trade him and get some value back instead of letting him walk. <laughs> they didn't even try to offer him a contract, huh, Matt? Yeah, you're already, Matt, yeah, the I best know. GM the Knicks have ever had. So. Right, already. Yeah, so, I mean, I, I don't know if my wife is down to move to New York, but they should just give me a call. We'll see if we can make something happen. I mean, I'm dollar signs, man. Dollar signs. I'll, they I'll, I'll that the Knicks. Make sure, you know, you keep Spike Lee happy, Matt. Yeah, me and Spike will be friends. Yeah. As always, guys, if you have any questions, comments, concerns, feel free to email us fullcourtpress82 at gmail.com. Y'all can also join us in Facebook group SSAW. Special thanks again to Brian Luis for the connect on the special guest. Um, Mr. Scott Agnes. Thank you, Riley, because I sure was going to butcher his name. And on behalf of Matt and Riley, I would like to thank you guys for listening. Later. Peace.